0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz, another lovely Chico, North Valley day. So happy to be here. I'm Harold Littlejohn, the CPA that's always looking out for your back. We've got all kinds of good stuff. We've got new tax laws. We've got, oh, I've got a great article that I'm going to discuss with you today. As far as local business, it seems like things are really hopping now. I was just in a client's place today. And we were discussing the downtown bar scene because this client is actually a downtown bar. And I remember a few years ago, the city of Chico was actively not wanting new liquor licenses, new bars. And what I've noticed over the last year or two is that it looks like if you open a place now where you're serving food... You're automatically allowed to serve liquor. So it seems to me that the course has totally turned downtown, and now there's a lot of new places that are not only serving beer and wine, but they're serving liquor. And um, uh, whether you are, you know, whether that sounds like a great thing or not, what I'm saying is for business, it does seem like. We're filling up those empty storefronts downtown that you would see once in a while. Back in the old days of lousy retail, you would have these storefronts empty out, and then nothing would come in to replace them. I noticed, I go downtown as often as I can. I noticed that LaSalle's is getting renovated into something. I'm not sure what's going in there. I just heard that there's another new bar coming in between Pete's and 7-Eleven there that used to be, Well, part of the old Main Street music, if anybody remembers that, where the Beatles picture was. Sounds like that's going to be another new tavern bar type place. So I would say local business seems to be doing pretty well downtown. What does get me also, I don't know what your feelings are on this. All these new restaurants that want to have sidewalk dining, they're taking away parking spaces to make that sidewalk dining happen. I don't I don't ha- particularly have a client that's done that, so I don't know the exact details of the workings of the way that works when they get their sidewalk dining approved. But it sure is lousy when you try to go downtown and shop the downtown stores and be a good local guy and try to give downtown business more business, but you can't find a parking place within a mile. And personally... I know the parking garage does have quite a few spaces, but I've got a couple major problems with the downtown garage. Let me know if you feel this way, too. About half of the good spaces are reserved for the hotel, and so you go in there at 6 o'clock and you want to park, but the spaces that you do find empty are the hotel's spaces. So I'm sure they've paid dearly for that, but it's not real convenient for local people that want to... Go to another business, like maybe go shopping at Bird in Hand or Tom Foolery or somewhere like that. It's kind of inconvenient to drive into the garage and all you see is spaces available that are donated, or not donated, I'm sure they pay for it, for the hotel. That to me is a little bit of a negative. The other negative I don't like about that garage, Well, I've heard some rumors about crime in the garage and break-ins, I've never been personally Affected by that. I'll give you a little tip on that in a minute, too. I don't like the size of those spaces. I think when they designed that garage, they tried to cram so many spaces in that I think they're way too narrow. And if somebody parks, like, just a couple inches over from where they should be, you really can't even park and open your door and your passenger's door without banging somebody's car. It's just not designed right. So, in my opinion... I don't like that garage, so I always try to look for a space on the street when I go downtown. And I'm not finding too many lately. Of course, you can get lucky if you drive around, but who wants to drive around the block three or four times? I also noticed today when I was heading downtown to see this client that if you get caught on the wrong one-way street, you're going around about four block lengths just to go back to where you skipped over a space that you now need to get to. So... I'm not sure what the solution is. I don't know if they've proposed another garage. I'm not sure, but it seems to me that if someone designed another garage with wider spaces, that might alleviate some of the problem. I don't know, maybe I'm just barking up a tree because I'm complaining. I just don't like when you want to go downtown and you can't get a space, it's a little bit frustrating to me. Now, the thing about not getting broken into, I was thinking the other day, In 44 years of driving, which I've done because I've got my driver's license at age 16, and I'm now 60, so that leaves 44 as the difference there. In 44 years of driving, going lots of places, being lots of places, taking trips, I've never had a break-in of my vehicle. Maybe I'm lucky, maybe it's because I don't leave things on the seat, but... I almost have a theory of one of the reasons why I don't get broken into. I particularly don't like to drive fancy cars. It would be fun to have a fancy car. It would be fun to have a sporty, hot, fast car. But there's a lot of negatives to having one of those too. In addition to the actual cost, my dad told me something because he was an accountant all of his life when I was growing up. And I worked for him and learned a lot from him. And I always remember that the top car he ever had was Oldsmobile. He never never bought a Cadillac, never bought a Mercedes, even though he could have afforded it. He did pretty well, actually, down in the Bay Area. And his theory was, do you really want your clients thinking that you're making that much money? Certain occupations, I think, lend well to you driving a fancy car like a Mercedes. I'm almost thinking if I was a stockbroker trying to get wealthy clients to invest their millions of dollars and let me manage it. I honestly feel that that would be a justifiable expense for someone like a stockbroker to be driving a $50,000, 60000 Mercedes. It makes you look classy, makes you look like you've, you're on top of the world and you know what you're doing, and you obviously must know how to invest because you've had enough to buy this fancy car. Personally, I think someone in a service business like a CPA or a attorney or a banker, unless you're just like trying to cater only to rich people, I just don't think it's a great idea. So I personally have never driven a real fancy car. I like the idea of saving some money. I like the idea that when I go downtown, I don't have to worry whether where I'm going to park that Buick that I'm driving. Because if somebody dings the door a little bit, I really don't care. That's just a feeling. So as far as business goes, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, to be honest, does it make you feel good when the person who's charging you to do your income tax pulls up in a $60,000 Mercedes? I'm not sure that would make me feel a lot better. I'm not sure. So that's just my own personal opinion. Nothing, nothing solid there. I'm just kind of rambling. This is, we're getting close to Christmas. Christmas is always the kind of like the biggest holiday of the year, plus it's an international holiday, so pretty much the whole world celebrates Christmas somewhat, and I just like to look at the business of Christmas as most retailers do make most of their profit in this last month of the year, so... It's a good thing if you can't afford to go out and shop. it keeps things vitalized like our downtown Chico that can use all the help it can get. I noticed that one of my favorite stores, Tomfoolery, downtown, has new ownership as of I think October, and they seem to be keeping it in good shape. I hope their sales stay way up. I don't know, but it seemed to have a lot of interesting stuff, just like ever. It's a very unique store. I consider downtown business, the independent ones that are different now, other than clothing stores, I'm thinking we still have Zucchini and Vine, we have Bird in Hand, and we have Tomfoolery, and those are the three that come to mind for me because they have good quality stuff and they have different stuff that not everybody has. So if you're looking for a gift for a grandson or something, you could go to, bird in hand and find some pretty good toys and games and IQ type children's games that are pretty good. They even have lots of chess sets. So those are the things that keep, and oh, they also have the yo-yo museum. I can't forget about that. I'm not a big yo-yo person myself, but I do enjoy watching the yo-yo guys at their uh, big annual contest. So that's what keeps downtown Chico kind of revitalized and going and Vibrant, and if they if the independent stores can get supported, uh, that's what I like to try to do. Uh, now that my son is grown and not a young child anymore, Christmas isn't as big of a deal. I know when you have young kids, Christmas is just kind of the the ultimate holiday, which is great. I just don't have that anymore, so our Christmases are a little more subdued. But I still like to go downtown, and I always try to buy something from those downtown stores just to hopefully keep Chico as a good, vibrant downtown. And it just seems to be doing pretty well lately. I, I think the whole bar-restaurant thing seems to be keeping things kind of rolling downtown and making it nice. As far as the non-downtown restaurants, I mean, there's a few good independent ones that I like. I prefer, I think the Poor House is really good. I think Hacienda is really good. I don't particularly love all the chains that are at the mall area. I think the Outback has changed since the ownership and the management seem to have changed a year or two ago, but I won't uh, pontificate too much on that. I just think that the downtown Chico should be supported when possible. I know some people just refuse to go down there. They think it's not fun, no parking, but it's not that bad. So I just particularly like to support downtown chico when i can. Well, first up on the list is a a bit of a replay. These are two there's two articles that i've discussed in the past few weeks. It turns out they are directly related. The first one was my reporting of the lost 21 trillion dollars. And after that was the report about two or three weeks ago, I think, where the Defense Department is actually going to be audited for the first time ever. And it turns out I think those two are related. What I find absolutely stunning, and if anybody can tell me whether I'm wrong on this, I'd love to know, has the mainstream news even mentioned this report of the $21 trillion that's basically been stolen. If somebody can show me a mainstream news article that talks about that, I would love to hear it. Because if it wasn't for the internet, I don't think we would ever have heard about this. And this is a 17-year period. I'll just reiterate a little bit of the main facts on this. 17-year period... Department of Defense and Housing and Urban Development, those are two departments in the government. These two departments alone between 1998 and 2015 lost over $21 trillion. I've got to remind you of the tr- what a trillion is, which I have probably haven't done for a little while, but I'm going to go back through that real quick. If you had... bills stacked tightly. $1 million would be about four inches high. $1 billion, and these are stacked tightly. This isn't end-to-end. This is stacked tightly. $1 billion would be the length of a football field, including the end zones. $1 trillion would be Lining the highway between Chico and Redding, you know how long of a trip that is, in $1,000 bills stacked tightly. That's $1 trillion. At the time I first did this analysis, the national debt was $18 trillion, I believe. And $18 trillion would be lining the highway between here and El Paso, Texas, with $1,000 bills tightly stacked. So now I would guesstimate that that would probably take us to New Orleans or something like that, because now our deficit is over $20 trillion. If you can fathom the fact that there is a University of Michigan economics team study by a guy named Dr. Mark Skidmore, I will get back to this as soon as the break ends. I'll be right back on Business Buzz. Stay tuned. We're going to get a little more into this. It's exciting.
1: KKXX is excited to present Seeds of Truth with Joe Holcraft. Each weekday
0: evening, Joe has hosted the Catholic Hour every weekend for the last eight years. And Seeds
1: of Truth promises the same Catholic understanding of sacred scripture, contemporary faith-based topics, and the latest news from around the world. If you have questions about faith, join Joe and the Seeds of Truth right here on KKXX each evening,
0: Monday through Friday. Welcome back to Business Buzz. Hey, it doesn't get better than this. An accountant talking about auditing the Department of Defense. Hey, where do I sign up for that job? Anyway. Okay, so we have this study that I've talked about before. I'm going to talk about it a little more. But I want you guys to realize the importance of this and how it's an absolute shock that this would not be front-page news everywhere. What it is is these differences over this 17-year period, it works out to be over a trillion dollars per year. It's called unsupported journal voucher adjustments are defined as summary-level accounting adjustments made when balances between systems cannot be reconciled. Often these journal vouchers are unsupported, meaning they lack supporting documentation to justify the adjustment, in other words, receipts, etc., or are not tied to specific accounting transactions. The report notes that in both the private and public sectors, the presence of such adjustments is considered a red flag for potential fraud. Well, as an accountant, I've had many a time where I've had to help somebody with their bookkeeping and their year-end Ledger adjustments, and sometimes you, have a, you might have an account called Suspense, and you have to go back and find, okay, now we're, you know, everything's, everything looks good, but we're off by $2,000, and we've got this balance in an account called Suspense of $2,000. So we would go back and look and see, okay, what was posted to Suspense? And if you can't find it, sometimes you end up with this thing called uh, prior period adjustments, and you just adjust the $2,000. And that's normal for small amounts of things. And in the accounting world, that's called insignificant. Uh, you know, if it's if it's not material, it's called immaterial. So if you if you have a thousand dollars off, but you're talking about AT&T's income statement where the total income's twenty billion dollars, then obviously a thousand dollars missing is immaterial, and you totally ignore it. But if you have A trillion dollars in a year, even from a, even from a balance of, you know, you might have a $3 trillion, well, let's think about that. The expenditures per year in these departments can't be much more than a few trillion a year. I'm going to have to look at these actual reports. I don't have the actual ones, but anybody figuring that, uh, a trillion a year is not material. I mean, how can they not, this not be front-page news? It says right here, the U.S. Department of Defense, specifically the U.S. Army, could not account for $6.5 trillion in 2015 due to, quote, wrongful balance adjustments. According to a report by Reuters, the Army, quote, lacked the receipts and invoices to support those numbers or simply made them up in order to create an illusion that its, books are, that its books are balanced. And some people who have been commenting on this have realized that uh, that equates to $65,000 for every man, woman, and child in the country. This is hard to believe, but it's happening to us. Our money has been stolen. And it also says here the amount of money unaccounted for is enough to pay back the whole of the U.S. national debt, which currently stands at roughly 25, $20.5 trillion, and still have a half a trillion left. That's where I come back to my point I made last week. If people are complaining that this new tax law is a problem because over 10 years it adds a trillion and a half to the deficit, I'm saying that if you could just account for 10% of these stolen monies over 15 years, 10% would be over $2 trillion. That would cover that right away. So just finding 10% of this. Now, when they talk about this audit, I'm interested in what they're actually going to be looking at. Are they going to go back and look at some older years? And the other thing is this study only took into account through 2015 so we have two more full years since then, and we're now starting on a third. So by the time they audit this year, there could be another $3 trillion. We could be looking at $24 trillion missing, and what are they going to do about it? So then it, this goes on. I'm going to read a little more from this article. Even more startling, the total amount of missing funds, $21 trillion, is most likely much higher in reality as the data used for the report was incomplete due to the researchers being unable to recover complete data for every year analyzed. Perhaps even more troubling than the total amount lost is the fact that fraudulent behavior from HUD and DOD seem to be the standard operating procedure. In fact, the accounting for these funds is so poor that, as Reuters notes, the Defense Finance and Accounting Services refers to the preparation of the Army's year-end statements as the grand plug. Plug is the accounting jargon for the insertion of made-up numbers. For every transaction, a so-called journal voucher that provides serial numbers, transaction dates, and the amount is supposed to be produced. The report specifies that the agency has done such a poor job in providing documentation of their transactions that there is no way to actually know how $21 trillion dollars Has been spent. Essentially, the government has no way of knowing how the Pentagon has spent the trillions of taxpayer dollars allocated by Congress for national defense. So they're plugging numbers, and it's uh, pretty, pretty amazing, pretty amazing that uh, this could even happen in this day and age. But I mean, like I say, I've been reading alternative news now for over 30 years, and nothing surprises me. In fact, this is basically what I've already known for years and years. It's just now it's starting to come out only because there's the Internet. Without the Internet, we would be stuck with NBC, CBS, and ABC. And like I was saying, I doubt if they've reported on this. It says here, unlike other federal departments, the Department of Defense has never been subjected to an annual audit. While the U.S. government established requirements for each agency to present financial statements back in the 1990s, for more than 20 years, the Department of Defense has lagged behind other agencies that were following modern accounting standards, reporting what they received and spent. In 2010, Congress included a requirement in the Defense Authorization Act that gave the military an extra seven years to clean up the books and get ready. That set a new deadline to be ready for an audit by September 2017. In January, the Government Accountability Office said, quote, Serious financial management problems at the Department of Defense that have prevented its financial statements from being auditable. Only days ago, the Pentagon announced that it would undertake its first audit in history. The Defense Department is starting the first agency-wide financial audit in its history. Beginning in 2018, our audits will occur annually with reports issued November 15th. Well, this thing goes on to say that um, the fact that these defense firms have contributed trillions of dollars to all the politicians' coffers and the whole bit. Anyway, I'm kind of appalled by this. I'm not sure how you feel, but I think it's kind of outrageous, but at least they say they're going to audit from here on out. So maybe the new year, if there are some of these unverified accounting entries, maybe this new year they'll start checking at where the money went. And now if this is all a, if this, the fact that they said they would start auditing back in 2010 in seven years, which is now, maybe this doesn't have anything to do with Trump being the new president. I'm not sure. I haven't read anything specifically that relates this to being a Trump-designed thing, so I'm really not positive on that. Now, the other big news for businesses lately is the new tax law. All of a sudden, they've pretty much got it passed. I believe I read that the president might not sign it until after the 1st of January because that technically suspends some things, from happening right away and puts some things off to 2019, like the year following the enactment or something. So don't look to have it signed before January 1, I don't think. What's interesting is, so far, there's a few people who are really going to be hurt by this, but there's a lot of people that I think are going to save taxes. I'm going to get into more of this tax law thing when we come back from the break. It's really interesting, and I think there's some real opportunities for you guys if you're self-employed to save some money on taxes. So we'll get into that right after the break. So stay tuned to Business Buzz. We'll be right back.
1: Hello, and welcome to our show. I'm Scott Ulrich. I'm Ben I'm Trisha Coder. And I'm Matt Four. This is Jessica Wilkerson, one of your hosts of Chico Now. A half hour designed for the community and brought to you by the community. Each day, one of our hosts will join with people from organizations throughout the greater Chico
2: area. We want to let you know what's happening in Chico Now.
1: So join us at 1230, Monday through Friday here on KKXX for Chico Now. Astronaut Bob Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great landing,
2: Bob.
1: Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta spring water if they call us at 1-800-922-6227. Pure and simple,
2: naturally the best Mount Shasta spring water.
1: America's best value in of Oroville reminds you that this holiday season Let's try to remove the heartache from our disadvantaged children and replace it with love. Let's open our hearts to all children in our area. Please donate a new toy at a participating store today and make this a happy holiday season for all. This message from America's Best Value Inn of Oroville. Give them a call at 533-7070. They're wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That newborn baby is going to need a lot of special nourishment in order to grow up healthy and strong. The same is true for those who are new in their walk with Jesus. The Bible says they need spiritual milk to nourish their souls at a critical point in their life. That's what we try to provide with the teaching and talk on our station. And when you send them your financial support, you're helping to accomplish something powerful. You're helping us get spiritual nourishment to those who vitally need it. So thanks for looking out for those newborns of all ages. Tell your friends about Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. Well, this whole new tax law—I'm going to give you first. I'm going to give you a couple of clues for what I've seen with the clients I've been helping. And there's one biggie that if you have—if you have a pretty high income, if you're a fairly high income guy or gal or couple, and if you pay a lot of money in property taxes on your itemized deductions and state income taxes. That is going to be severely limited for you uh, coming up. So keep an eye out for that when I get to that section. I'm kind of going to go down a list here. I'm going to discuss the new tax laws. And there's a, there's a few details that I'm actually still learning, so I'm not an expert yet. But I think by next week I kind of need to be because some of these things have to happen by the end of the year. I will tell you right now that if you're a high-income person who pays 20000 25000 in state tax... If you are going to owe state tax for 2017, you need to pay it before the end of the year. Because next year, here's the way it works. In your itemized deductions next year, the total for your state income tax plus your property tax is limited to $10,000. Now, there's also the issue of the alternative minimum tax. It's too complicated for me to get in over the radio with you. But I'm telling you right now that the chances are if you're going to owe taxes for 2017, you should prepay the state taxes before the end of the year. You should also pay your property tax, get that second half paid. So when you pay the one in December, that's for the first half of the fiscal year, you can legally deduct the one you pay for April. If you pay it before the end of the year, you can legally deduct that in 2017. So if you're a high income type, You need to pay the property taxes and the state income taxes before the end of this year because you're going to be severely limited next year. So I've got this really good article. I'm going to kind of just give you an overview of this whole new tax law. And also, don't forget, I'm a CPA local here in Chico for 27 years. You can call me at 895-3353. You can email me, herald at hlittlejohn.com. And you can ask me these questions, and I'll try to answer them before the end of the year if I can. But I'm always good for a, as a good second opinion. There's a lot of great CPAs around, but uh, I think I'm one of them, and I could probably help you. So this article's from CNN Money. It's uh, 34 things you need to know about the incoming tax law. And I will tell you right now, I do use things like CNN Money for simple answers like lists of tax law things, like I'm doing right now. I would never rely on CNN, CNBC, NBC, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, Fox. I would never rely on them for real news about things like $21 trillion stolen. Uh, Well, there's a lot of other topics I won't get into on the radio that I don't believe a word they say. So that's my feeling. But I do like things like CNN and this money column for business-related news, and uh, this is the way to look it up because this just got passed. Okay, so item number one here, this is the first significant reform since 1986. Now, that's true. I believe 1986 was more of a radical reform than this because it chopped the rates very low and it completely changed a lot of things in a big way called passive income and passive losses, but I won't get into that today. Um. This points out that both individuals and corporate tax rates have been changed. Unfortunately, corporate rates got changed a lot more than individual rates. Then there's also, uh, oh, this is a reiteration of what I was talking about in my last last section. Tax reform will really increase deficits by 1.46 trillion over the next decade. Ha ha! Well, I've got news for CNN they can probably find that in last year's stolen money from the Department of the Defense. So that's all I can say about that. Uh, Number four, there are still seven tax brackets for individuals, but the rates have changed. Well, they go from 10 to 37, but the real, the good deal here is that 10 and 12 do take you up to a pretty high level. And 10 and 12 is lower than 10 and 15 used to be. So I think your basic uh, family without a lot of stuff going on tax-wise is probably going to do pretty well with this new law. This number 5 the standard deduction has been doubled. Well, not quite doubled, but it's up. Singles 12,000, marrieds 24,000. That's going to eliminate a lot of people from itemizing. If you guys know what the word itemizing means, it's like, well, that's what you pay a CPA to help you with. There's a lot of people that fall in between under 24 for a married couple that won't need to have their tax help anymore, which, you know, is just that's part of the nature of the business of doing taxes. You can win some, you lose some. Number six, the personal exemption is gone. I've been harping on this since I first started talking about this new tax law back a couple months ago. If you're a family with four or five children, the increased standard deduction is going to help you less than the loss you're going to have for losing personal exemptions they're worth 4000 per person and if you have 5 children that's 7 times 4 that means that you would have had 28000 of exemptions plus 12000 of standard deduction your standard deduction plus exemptions in the old law is $40000 now the new standard is 24 but you get no exemptions you just got hit with a $2000 tax increase but there's something coming up for children that's going to bring that back. So that's why this thing is so weird. Uh, the state and local tax deduction now has a cap. That's what I was explaining. If you pay a lot of state income tax and a lot of property tax on your Schedule A, you might want to think about prepaying those this year because they're going to be capped at 10000 total next year, even if you spend 50000 on those items. Okay, here's the good news for the family with the children. The child tax credit has doubled to $2,000, and uh, it's also available to more people. So the child tax credit was phasing out for people with total income of around one hundred and ten dollars to $120,000 for a married couple. So a lot of people with you know two teachers making one hundred and thirty, dollars they weren't even getting help from the child tax credit. Now, single parents up to $200,000 of income and married couples up to four hundred. dollars Get $2,000 per child under 17. So if you have four or five children, that's going to be a major tax saver, and that's a good thing. So that, that's a plus for, for a lot of families. There's a new tax credit for non-child dependents like elderly parents. So now there's a $500 credit per person that used to be an exemption. Now there's some kind of credit for them even though they aren't your child. So that's, um, that's not a bad thing. Uh, fewer people will have to deal with the alternative minimum tax. Well, they've raised the exemption on that, but it's still going to hit some people, I can tell, because for the married couples, the exemption of 109000 $109, that's not high enough to get rid of it for some people. So the alternative minimum tax is still a, a real thorn in the side of everybody. But uh, I think that I'm going to look into the details of this later, and hopefully that'll be raising over the next 10 years. I think that might be phasing out. Now, mortgage interest deduction has been lowered. If you buy a home now, instead of being able to deduct interest on the first million of mortgage, you're now only allowed to deduct it on the first 750000 That doesn't affect people who are buying houses less than that. But if you happen to have a large house, a large house purchase coming up, You might want to realize that you're not going to be able to deduct anything over the mortgage amount of $750, so keep that in mind. Now, don't forget that these are all 2018 tax year changes. There is no change to the year that we're going to be working on this coming tax season. The 2017 is not changed. So don't forget that all these changes we're talking about affect 2018, not 2017. Uh, Number 13, the deduction for student loan interest is still there. Well, that's good for the people who have to pay student loan interest. Uh, You can still deduct medical expenses. They've actually lowered that threshold, so that might help some people. Uh, Classroom supplies for a teacher is still uh, a deduction that's allowed. The electric car tax credit, Tesla got his word in, I guess, uh, old Elon Musk, My favorite capitalist who's never made a profit in his life, his car still qualifies for a $7,500 tax credit? Whatever. No comment. You heard my comments about driving my old Buick downtown, so that answers that. uh, Number 17, home sellers who turn a profit keep their tax break. They were talking about phasing that one out for people with high gain numbers, but... They still are keeping the $500,000 exclusion for married couples who sell their house with a gain, their residence with a gain. So that's a real good thing, and it still qualifies for living there two of the past five years. So you didn't lose your homeowner's tax-free sale, folks. Everything looks good there. Uh, They've actually expanded the use of some of the education savings accounts that parents and grandparents can put in for their children's future college costs. So that looks to be good. That's going to be a complicated area. I haven't studied it enough to advise anybody, but I'll be looking that, looking into that to learn that real soon. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I've had that nasty thing that's going around, and it it wasn't it hasn't gone away. Number nineteen: tuition waivers for grad students. Grad students still don't have to pay tax on tuition waivers. That's a good thing. Alimony payments. Anybody signing a divorce agreement after the end of 2018, it's no longer where the person paying the alimony gets a deduction and the person receiving it gets income. It's going to be a zero. So that's going to change the calculation of alimony. But I believe that's going to be divorce paperwork after 2018. So that's still legit for the coming year. That's not a problem. Moving expenses are gone. Unbelievable. So, used to be that if you moved for a work-related reason, you could deduct your moving expenses and you didn't even have to itemize deductions to do it. Well, they've changed that and it's gone. It's pretty amazing. Oh, the tax preparation deduction, unless you're in business and you have a, a justification for writing off what you pay your tax preparer to put it on your business form or your rental business form, there is no longer tax preparations deduction. That's a bummer. And I'm going to get back to some more of the new tax law for our final segment. And I'm going to also give you a little more about the Miracle Business Method today. So stay tuned. Business Buzz will be right back.
1: Fruit flies remain fruit flies. This is Ken Ham, encouraging more of the church to start our thinking with God's word. You're in for a big shock. Researchers studying mutations in fruit flies have determined how the next 40 million years will shape the evolution of the humble fruit fly. And the results are scary. In 40 million years, fruit flies will be fruit flies. They'll just have slightly different wings. When evolutionists point to examples of evolution, They cite things like this, fruit flies producing more fruit flies. Why? Because the only examples they have are small changes within a kind. And this has nothing to do with evolution. It confirms the biblical teaching that organisms were created to reproduce according to their kind. Discover more about our full-size Noah's Ark in northern Kentucky when you visit AnswersRadio.com. Get answers about evolution and creation at AnswersRadio.com. My name is Meera Batra, and this is how I live United. Many families have come to America for a better life. I advocate for these families with United Way. United Way empowers them to see opportunities available. We help them get involved with their kids, schools, and network within the community. My name is Meera Batra. I help families see opportunity and succeed. I don't just wear this shirt. I live it. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Business Buzz. Harold Littlejohn CPA here going over some new tax law highlights. Um, hopefully, hopefully you're going to benefit from this. I think most people are. Uh, I'm going to talk in a little bit about people who are really going to get hurt, and uh, I can't believe they're doing this, but they seems like they are. Okay, I mentioned that the tax prep deduction is gone. Problem is the entire section called miscellaneous itemized is gone. And I think I'll mention that right now. One type of client that uses that section in a huge way is someone called an outside salesperson. That person earns commissions from his sales, but he's a wage earner, so he has an employer. And he has to pay for his own car usage, his entertainment, uh, taking clients out to lunch, his office expenses, his mail-outs, his postage, that entire section is gone. So the guy, I have a client like this, I'll just give you a quick detail of what it looks like. His gross wages, let's just say they're 80000 but he spends about $25,000 in his own money whining and dining his clients, making his sales, traveling to his meetings, that section is gone. So for employees, there is no way to write off business expenses anymore. I'm kind of shocked with this. I'm going to be looking into it in more detail because I'm going to be studying this thing in major depth here real soon. I can't believe that's going to be gone, but for outside salespeople, there's some trouble coming on that. So anyway, that was something that I wanted to mention. So the disaster deduction, unless it's in a presidentially declared disaster area is not going to be deductible. So, you know, if you have a case where your house burns down for no reason and you're not insured or something, you are no longer eligible for a tax deduction for that, that disaster, which is pretty amazing that they're getting rid of that. I'll tell you right now, I believe that a lot of this tax law is based on cutting down the need and the work of IRS audits. One of the biggest areas of IRS audits are what I was just talking about, those employee expense area where people are claiming 20,000 miles of driving for their sales job. Those guys get audited a lot more than the average person. I think the, the person who put this tax law together, the people who kind of did it, I think they were doing it with cutting down the need for IRS in mind because IRS has had a big problem lately with the fact that they don't have enough auditors, they're auditing less returns. This whole thing of getting rid of these employee business expenses is going to reduce the number of audits needed. And uh, in a way, that's kind of good because I don't enjoy audits. I make some money off them, but not enough to make the headache worthwhile. I do it as a favor because... Of course, if I'm the preparer, I should offer to be the person to represent him in an audit too, but I don't enjoy them. I don't even like doing it, but it's a necessary evil of being a tax preparer. Now, another part of this new thing is the estate tax. Now, that's not income tax. That's the estate tax. You can die now with $11 million as an individual or $22 million as a couple and pay zero estate tax. That's double what it was before this thing started. So that's a good thing for wealthy people. But these days, I'm not so sure. I mean, yeah, that's wealthy. But I mean, $11 million is not what it was 50 years ago. But still, I think that's a good thing. I mean, why should they, if you've paid tax all your life on all your earnings, why should you have to? fork out millions of dollars when you die. That's just my feeling. Everybody's got an opinion. Oh, here's a new one. The individual mandate on health insurance has been scrapped. I've got a lot of clients who are just, they're just dead set against having to buy health insurance. So they've paid that penalty tax over the last few years since 2014 because they didn't get covered with health insurance. Well, now that penalty tax is gone. And uh, I don't know what effect that'll have on everything. I'm not going to get into a debate on the Affordable Care Act because, as I've mentioned before, as far as I'm concerned, it's a very unaffordable care act, and my premiums have doubled in the last two or three years. So I'm not a big lover of that Affordable Care Act. I don't find it that affordable. Uh, They've doubled the standard deduction, but... There's still a lot of things to do, and there's some complications coming for businesses, and that's one of the things that I need to to get to in this list here. The corporate tax rate has been cut way down, and that's really the biggie in this whole tax reform. The corporate tax rate's gone to 21%. Now, hopefully that's a good thing. It means U.S. companies will now be more competitive worldwide because they're not subject to the highest corporate tax rates in the world, For me, it's a little unfortunate because some of my corporate tax clients that don't make a lot of money, they get a 15% rate on their first $50,000 of net income, and I use that as a tax planner for some of them, and it works out real well to get them some low taxes for at least the first couple years of their corporation, and now it looks like that's going to be a flat 21%. I have to look up all the details of that, but if that's the case, then they've just got a 40% tax increase. So I'm not that I'm not that excited about that. I am happy about the 21% extending to the corporations that make more. And if you really look at the numbers, you'll see that most corporations right now don't pay anything near 35% anyway. The 35% was the old top bracket. If you look at the statistics, most corps pay 10 to 15% of their net income in tax. They don't pay the 35. So uh I think that's really going from 10 to 15 down to seven or eight. That's what the reality is going to be for this corporate tax thing. Past few, pass-through entities get a break. Owners of businesses will pay, uh, will get a 20% deduction when they put their income on their individual return. So in other words, if you are an owner of a business that makes $100,000. And this is what i am really got to learn in this new law. And like I say, it's so new, I haven't learned it all yet. But I'm doing that uh, ASAP as we speak. It's a 20% deduction. And it says there's rules to make sure owners don't game the system. But it sounds like an abusive thing. Here's the part that I don't like. They've got this category called professional services, which includes doctors, lawyers, accountants, and architects, and we are not entitled to this 20% break. So if I make $100,000 as a CPA, but my neighbor makes $100,000 as a pharmacist, oh, wait, that might be like a doctor. I don't want to include him. How about a car repair guy? He gets a 20% deduction, so he only pays tax on $80,000, but since I'm a, quote, professional service I have to pay tax on the whole 100%? That is not fair, and I'm sorry. I don't like that part of this whole thing. But you know what? That's life. I'll tell you what's going to happen. That's going to translate into higher fees for everybody, but that's neither here nor there right at the moment. Okay, here's an interesting stat. Just 14% of of chief executive officers surveyed by Yale University said their companies plan to make large capital investments following tax reform. So that's only one out of seven said they're going to they're make a big change based on this new tax law. So we'll see how slowly this all helps. There's a new way they're going to tax the non-U.S. assets of the U.S. corporations. It's a one-time low tax rate on their existing overseas profits. on cash and 8% on non-cash-like equipment that were invested from those profits. So hopefully that will bring in some money. Okay. So those are the basics of the new tax law. And like I say, I got to confess, I am not a complete expert on it yet. It's going to take me quite a bit of research to uh, get to my subscriptions and the services that I pay for to get all my latest updates on it because it just happened and it happened a little sooner than I thought it would. But if it gets signed at the start of January, then that's fine. I've already reminded my high-income clients that whatever state tax they might pay needs to be paid by the end of this year. So that was really the one thing that needs to be dealt with before the 31st. The other thing is, in general, especially if you're self-employed or you have this pass-through business income In general, your rates are going to be lower next year than they are this year. So if you have a chance to postpone your income, it's a good idea to put it into 2018 instead of having it in 2017. Now, the IRS doesn't consider you holding a check and depositing it on January 2nd. That's not the same as waiting for your income. You're still legally obligated if you've got the check in your hand. But if you haven't finished a job or you could invoice somebody now, but you're going to wait till January, it might be a good idea to wait till January because your rates in whatever way, shape or form are likely going to be lower in 2018 than they are in 2017. Plus the old time value of money. Even if rates stay the same, it's better to pay the tax a year from now than it is to pay it now. Generally, that's sort of the old theory of money. Okay. So we're almost to the end of the program today. We're coming up on Monday, which is Christmas, and I won't be back on the air until after Christmas. So since Christmas is the big holiday coming up, I thought I'd share a little more of the Miracle Business Method with you. I talked last time about the fact that the whole Bible talking about love thy neighbor and love your enemy translates to don't have any enemies and it's hard in the day-to-day world to think of it that way but what's helped me a lot is I could never make sense of the biblical way of thinking growing up that the meek shall inherit the earth and forgive your enemies and all that stuff It, it never it doesn't make sense in a worldly perspective but What's helped me to understand things like that has been the ability to look at it a different way through the book that I've been studying for almost 10 years now called A Course in Miracles. And the bottom line is why I asked the question why is Jesus so big on forgiving and forgiveness? And in one respect, it's like, well, it's a way to be nice to people. You're being kind. And if, if people, like I said last week when I was talking about this, if people are actually just your thoughts projected out, of course you would want to be nice to them. That would make sense. But the real reason forgiveness actually works is because in the Course in Miracles theory, this entire world is really not physically here. Now, I'll talk to you later at a different date about the quantum physics that kind of back that up, and I've done a lot of studying, and I've I've got a lot of reports on that. But what really happens, according to the course, and which for me puts things together and gets rid of these doubts I had as a child about the meek shall inherit the earth, that doesn't make sense, that's opposite of what the world says, But what the Course says is that we're actually in heaven, we just don't know it. And the way to get back to that, which is the way to get back to the peace and the peace of God, they call it, is to remove the blocks that have you thinking you're not still in heaven. And the big deal with that is that in our descent from being in heaven to being here where we think we are, The last step in that whole transition involved us creating this world where we blame everyone else for our problems. We're born as angelic little babies. Nothing's our fault. Our parents brought us in. We didn't ask to be born. And now we have all these people that all day long we're constantly blaming people. When you're stuck in traffic, you're going to blame the guy in front of you for not speeding through the yellow light. You know how that goes. So the reason forgiveness is important, and I'm running up to the end of the show, so I'm not going to get into it in detail, but it's something to think about for Christmas. The reason forgiveness is important, it reverses this thing where you're blaming people all the time. So I just find it real helpful. So everyone have a Merry Christmas. I'll be back next week. Enjoy your business. Enjoy your family. Go out and buy some nice gifts. We'll see you next week. Take care. Goodbye from Business Buzz for today. KKXX, Paradise, K280GL, Chico, and K283AR, Chico, Yuba City, Marysville.
2: Rock House Dining and Espresso is known for their patio. Enjoy the ducks and chickens visiting the patio in their environmental, farm-fresh, lively atmosphere. Rock House is an iconic landmark in Butte County since the 1930s seven minutes north of the Lime Saddle Bridge, only two miles past the hardware store. Originally built in 1937, the two buildings served as restaurant and tavern, shower house, barber shop, gas station, and cafe. Live music every Saturday night in the Fireside Room. All natural hot spice cider, mochas, cappuccinos, caramel macchiatos, and pumpkin pies made right here from fresh pumpkins. Kent Westfield Christian singer-songwriter is bringing acoustic music he's putting on his current album. Call before coming by for a list of live music at 532-1889 at Rockhouse Dining and Espresso on Highway
0: KKXX, Paradise. K280GL, Chico. And K283AR, Chico, Yuba City,
1: Marysville. Laptop. Astronaut Bob the Drop here. There's been a lot of talk about water found on Mars. Why would you go all the way to Mars for water when we have the best tasting water at Mount Shasta? It comes from our protected springs and is delivered right to your door. Great landing, Bob. Hey, where are you going with that? Those Martians are stealing my water. Guess we have some new customers. And anyone can get Mount Shasta Springwater if they call us at 1 800 922 6227.
2: Pure and simple, naturally, the best Mount Shasta Springwater.
1: America's Best Value Inn of Oroville reminds you that this holiday season, let's try to remove the heartache from our disadvantaged children and replace it with love. Let's open our hearts to all children in our area. Please donate a new toy at a participating store today and make this a happy holiday season for all. This message from America's Best Value Inn of Oroville. Give them a call at 533 70